Section four of De Vulgaria Loquentia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. De Vulgaria Loquentia by Dante Alighieri. Translated by Philip H. Wicksteed. Book one, chapters fourteen through nineteen. Chapter fourteen. Let us now cross the leaf-clad shoulders of the Apennines, and hunt inquiringly, as we are wont, over the left side of Italy, beginning from the east. Entering Romagna, then, we remark that we have found in Italy two alternating types of dialect with certain opposite characteristics in which they respectively agree. One of these, on account of the softness of its words and pronunciation, seems so feminine that it causes a man, even when speaking like a man, to be believed to be a woman. This type of dialect prevails among all the people of Romagna, and especially those of Forli, whose city, though the newest, seems to be the centre of all the province. These people say, Duchi, in affirmation, and use Oclomeo and Corrada Mea as terms of endearment. We have heard that some of them have diverged in poetry from their own dialect, namely, the Fientines Thomas and Ugolino Bucciola. There is also, as we have said, another type of dialect, so bristling and shaggy in its words and accents that, owing to its rough harshness, it not only distorts a woman's speech, but makes one doubt whether she is not a man. This type of dialect prevails among all those who say Magara, namely the Brescians, Veronese, and Vicentines, as well as the Paduans, with their ugly syncopations of all the participles in tus and denominatives in tas, as Mirco and Bonte. With these we also class the Trevisans, who, like the Brescians and their neighbors, pronounce F for consonantal V, cutting off the final syllable of the word, as nof for novem, vif for vivo, which we disapprove as a gross barbarism. Nor do the Venetians also deem themselves worthy of possessing that vernacular language which we have been searching for, and if any of them, trusting in error, should cherish any delusion on this point, let him remember whether he has ever said, Per le plage de Dio tu non verras. Among all these we have noticed one man striving to depart from his mother tongue, and to apply himself to the curial vernacular language, namely, Il de Brandino of Padua. Wherefore, on all the dialects mentioned in the present chapter coming up for judgment, our decision is that neither that of Romagna, nor its opposite, as we have mentioned, nor that of Venice, is that illustrious vernacular which we are seeking. Chapter 15 let us now endeavor to clear the way by tracking out what remains of the Italian wood. We say, then, that perhaps those are not far wrong who assert that the people of Bologna use a more beautiful speech than the others, since they receive into their own dialect something borrowed from their neighbors of Imola, Ferrara, and Modena, just as we conjecture that all borrow from their neighbors, as Sordello showed with respect to his own Mantua, which is adjacent to Cremona, Brescia, and Verona and he who was so distinguished by his eloquence, not only in poetry, but in every other form of utterance, forsook his native vulgar tongue. Accordingly, the above-mentioned citizens of Bologna get from those of Imola their smoothness and softness of speech, and from those of Ferrara and Modena a spice of sharpness characteristic of the Lombards. This, we believe, has remained with the natives of that district as a relic of the admixture of the immigrant Longobards with them. And this is the reason why we find that there has been no poet among the people of Ferrara, Modena, or Reggio, for, from being accustomed to their own sharpness, they cannot adopt the courtly vulgar tongue without a kind of roughness, and this we must consider to be much more the case with the people of Parma, who say Monto instead of Muto. 
if therefore the people of bologna borrow from both these kinds of dialect as has been said it seems reasonable that their speech should by this mixture of opposites remain tempered to a praiseworthy sweetness and this we without hesitation judge to be the case therefore if those who place the people of bologna first in the matter of the vernacular therefore if those who place the people of bologna first in the matter of the vernacular merely have regard in their comparison to the municipal dialects of the italians we are disposed to agree with them but if they consider that the dialect of bologna is taken absolutely worthy of preference we disagree with them altogether for this dialect is not that language which we term courtly and illustrious since if it had been so the greatest guino guirizzelli guido ghisilieri fabruzzo and onesto and other poets of bologna would never have departed from their own dialect in these were illustrious writers competent judges of dialects the greatest guido wrote madonna lo fermo corre fabruzzo lo meo lontano gire onesto più non attendo il tuo soccorso amore and these words are altogether different from the dialect of the citizens of bologna and since we consider that no one feels any doubt as to the remaining towns at the extremities of italy and if any one does we do not deem him worthy of any answer from us little remains to be mentioned on our discussion wherefore being eager to put down our sieve so that we may quickly see what is left in it we say that the towns of trent and turin as well as alessandria are situated so near the frontiers of italy that they cannot possess pure languages so that even if their vernaculars were as lovely as they are hideous we should still say that they were not truly italian because of their foreign ingredients wherefore if we are hunting for an illustrious italian language what we are hunting for cannot be found in them chapter sixteen after having scoured the heights and pastures of italy without having found that panther which we are in pursuit of in order that we may be able to find her let us now track her out in a more rational manner so that we may with skilful efforts completely enclose within our toils her who is fragrant everywhere but nowhere apparent resuming then our hunting spears we say that in every kind of things there must be one thing by which all things of that kind may be compared and weighted and which we may take as the measure of all the others just as in numbers all are measured by unity and are said to be more or fewer according as they are distant from or near to unity so also in colours all are measured by white for they are said to be more or less visible according as they approach or recede from it and what we say of the predicaments which indicate quantity and quality we think may also be said of any of the predicaments and even of substance namely that everything considered as belonging to a kind becomes measurable by that which is simplest in that kind wherefore in our actions however many the species into which they are divided may be we have to discover this standard by which they may be measured thus in what concerns our actions as human beings simply we have virtue understanding it generally for according to it we may judge a man to be good or bad in what concerns our actions as citizens we have the law according to which a citizen is said to be good or bad in what concerns our actions as italians we have certain very simple standards of manners customs and language by which our actions as italians are weighed and measured now the supreme standards of those activities which are generically italian are not peculiar to any one town in italy but are common to all and among these can now be discerned that vernacular language which we were hunting for above whose fragrance is in every town but whose lair is in none it may however be more perceptible in one than in another just as the simplest of substances which is god is more perceptible in a man than in a brute in an animal than in a plant in a plant than in a mineral in a mineral than in an element in fire than in earth in the simplest quantity which is unity is more perceptible in an odd than an even number and the simplest colour which is white is more perceptible in orange than in green having therefore found what we were searching for 
we declare the illustrious cardinal courtly and curial vernacular language in italy to be that which belongs to all the towns in italy but does not appear to belong to any one of them and by which all the municipal dialects of the italians are measured weighed and compared chapter seventeen we must now set forth why it is that we call this language we have found by the epithets illustrious cardinal courtly and curial and by doing this we disclose the nature of the language itself more clearly first then let us lay bare what we mean by the epithet illustrious and why we call the language illustrious now we understand by this term illustrious something which shines forth illuminating and illuminated and in this way we call men illustrious either because being illuminated by power they illuminate others by justice and charity or else because having been excellently trained they in turn give excellent training like seneca and numa pompilius in the vernacular of which we are speaking has both been exalted by training and power and also exalts its followers by honor and glory now it appears to have been exalted by training inasmuch as from amid so many rude italian words involved constructions faulty expressions and rustic accents we see that it has been chosen out in such a degree of excellence clearness completeness and polish as is displayed by chino of pistoia and his friend in their canzoni in that it has been exalted by power is plain for what is of greater power than that which can sway the hearts of men so as to make an unwilling man willing and a willing man unwilling just as this language has done and is doing now that it exalts by honour is evident do not they of its household surpass in renown kings marquises counts and all other magnates this has no need at all of proof but how glorious it makes its familiar friends we ourselves know who for the sweetness of this glory cast even our exile behind our back wherefore we ought deservedly to proclaim this language illustrious chapter eighteen nor is it without reason that we adorn this illustrious vernacular language with a second epithet that is that we call it cardinal for as the whole door follows its hinge so that whither the hinge turns the door also may turn whether it be moved inward or outward in like manner also the whole herd of municipal dialects turns and returns moves and pauses according as this illustrious language does which really seems to be the father of the family does it not daily root out the thorny bushes from the italian wood does it not daily insert grafts or plant young trees what else have its foresters to do but to take away and bring in as has been said wherefore it surely deserves to be adorned with so great a name as this now the reason why we call it courtly is that if we italians had a court it would be spoken at court for if a court is a common home of all the realm and an august ruler of all parts of the realm it is fitting that whatever is of such a character as to be common to all parts without being peculiar to any should frequent this court and dwell there nor is any other abode worthy of so great an inmate such in fact seems to be that vernacular language of which we are speaking and hence it is that those who frequent all royal palaces always speak the illustrious vernacular hence also it is that our illustrious language wanders about like a wayfarer and is welcomed in humble shelters seeing that we have no court this language is also deservedly to be styled curial because curiality is nothing else but the justly balanced rule of things which have to be done and because the scales required for this kind of balancing are only wont to be found in the most excellent courts of justice it follows that whatever in our actions has been well balanced is called curial wherefore since this illustrious language has been weighed in the balances of the most excellent court of justice of the italians it deserves to be called curial but it seems mere trifling to say that it has been weighed in the balances of the most excellent court of justice of the italians because we have no imperial court of justice to this the answer is easy 
for though there is no court of justice in Italy, in the sense of a single supreme court, like the court of the King of Germany, still the members of such a court are not wanting. And just as the members of the German court are united under one prince, so the members of ours have been united by the gracious light of reason. Wherefore, though we have no prince, it would be false to assert that the Italians have no such court of justice, because we have a court, though in the body it is scattered. CHAPTER Nineteen. Now we declare that this vernacular language, which we have shown to be illustrious, cardinal, courtly, and curial, is that which is called the Italian vernacular. For, just as a vernacular can be found peculiar to Cremona, so one can be found peculiar to Lombardy. And just as one can be found peculiar to Lombardy, so one can be found peculiar to the whole of the left side of Italy. And just as all these can be found, so also can that which belongs to the whole of Italy. And just as the first is called Cremonese, and the second Lombard, and the third semi-Italian, so that which belongs to the whole of Italy is called the Italian vernacular language. For this has been used by the illustrious writers who have written poetry in the vernacular throughout Italy, as Sicilians, Apulians, Tuscans, natives of Romagna, and men of both the marches. And because our intention is, as we promised in the beginning of this work, to give instruction concerning the vernacular speech, we will begin with this illustrious Italian as being the most excellent, and treat in the books immediately following, of those whom we think worthy to use it, and for what and how, and also where, when, and to whom, it ought to be used. And after making all this clear, we will make it our business to throw light in the lower vernaculars, gradually coming down to that which belongs to a single family. End of section 4